Hello and welcome to Untitled, Episode 5 today. Getting up to the bigger numbers, it's exciting. Today is Sunday, October 23rd. We're recording a little bit earlier than usual today. Right now I'm currently watching the 49ers versus the Chiefs, which has been a pretty good game so far. It just is starting the second half, and the first half was two very competitive teams playing pretty well so far. I just finished up watching the Packers Commanders before that. I'm going to go into a little bit of detail on that here shortly. But on today's episode of Untitled, we're going to go through the Packers post game. We're going to talk a little NFL. We're going to release the dog of the week. That's coming back for its second time. Then we're going to go into the pop culture minute for a little while. And we're going to finish up with the people's top 10 before we sign off. Just a quick plug before we get started is there's now a new Twitter page for this podcast. So that's exciting. We actually had a viral tweet that got over 360 likes on one of the messages. Um, give it a follow. It's pretty fun. It's, uh, it's entertainment and sports. So if you have a Twitter page, go ahead and follow at untitled underscore the pod. It gives some good content for you during the week and the weekend. So let's start with the Packers postgame. The Packers ended up losing to the Washington Commanders by a score of 23-21. to Just looking from a preview of the game before it even started, the Packers had Bakitari out, which is a big miss. Last week, the Packers struggled against the Jets with the pass rush and being able to open up gaps for the run game and having their best offensive lineman out does not help the case. However, we did look better today in terms of offensive line, and today's performance cannot be blamed on the offensive line. In general, this offense looks very broken, and it's kind of hard to see at this time how it can be remotely fixed. With the late announcement of David Bakitari being out, they were able to hold up well, which was nice, so pressure wasn't Rodgers' issue. Um, it was actually what seemed to be Rodgers and the receivers today. Even though the offensive line held its own, receivers can't seem to get open at this point in time, and Rodgers' mobility is questionable at best. Aaron Rodgers, at his peak, was one of the best mobile quarterbacks. He'd be able to make the play last a little bit longer and hit those big plays by moving out of the pocket, running towards the sideline, and finding something. Because after the wide receiver gets about seven seconds, they should be able to find a way to get open because defenses break down after a while, and Aaron Rodgers was able to thrive in those situations. However, Rodgers can't seem to find an opening. He's content to just sit in the pocket and take hits, and uh, otherwise just throw the ball away. It might be because he's getting a little bit older. We all know he's not at his peak, but he's always been such a mobile quarterback, and it just seems like it's short passes where he expects the wide receiver to get yards after the catch. And if they're not getting yards after the catch, it's three-yard passes where it's like, hmm, maybe you just give the ball to your superstar Aaron Jones. That leads us to probably the second big issue in the Packers' offense right now. We need to run the ball with Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is probably at this time a top three or four running back in this league. He doesn't touch the ball. In fact, versus the Jets last week, he hardly got any touches in general. 
He didn't get many plays. He actually was playing as more of a third down back versus the Jets. And A.J. Dillon, who has been a little disappointing so far this year with his production, he seemed to get most of the reps. We got to be able to, if we're going to give Aaron Jones the big money, he has to get the big plays. And he has to be able to get chances to have the big plays. The play calling is very questionable right now. In fact, I, I'm a very superstitious guy. And I like to think that me wearing one of my two Packers jerseys every week has an influence on the game. I am so close to just getting my own graphic tee that says run the damn ball. Similar to what the Titans did a couple years back. But this is even bigger. I mean, they were already running it with De Derrick Henry. <laughs> In this instance, Aaron Jones isn't even touching the ball. Before the game, they talked about simplifying their offense, and they talked about it throughout the pregame to the game, throughout the entire game. It was the big thing. They were waiting for the Packers to come to life, and everybody has been since pretty much the first week when they got blown out by the Vikings. Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers expressed that simplifying the offense would be the cure, per se. And in his mind, I mean, that was very broad, and a lot of people had different definitions of what that actually meant. In my understanding from watching that interview, it seemed that he was talking about having less motion before the ball snap, keeping it simple, maybe running the ball, and just doing simple routes. Last week, I did kind of bring up the fact that after losing to the Jets, Packers fans need to be in panic mode a little bit. And after this past week, it's even bigger reason to start questioning what the next move is. Right now, we need to be a win-for-right-now kind of team. But it does not feel like we are a win-right-now team with who we have. We have, in the next week, a very big week for our front office. In order to win with Aaron Rodgers, while he's about to go into his last couple years, most likely in the NFL and most definitely with the Packers, he needs somebody to be able to help him out a little bit. So we need to either pick up a very big lineman uh, for our offensive line, or we need to find some type of wide receiver. We have already paid Aaron Rodgers all the money, and now we need to be expecting the Super Bowl that everybody else is expecting for us right now. And we are in unforeseen territory right now in the Packer community. We haven't been under 500 in quite a while for an extended period of time. I mean, I don't remember the last time we were under 500 over six games into the season. So right now, you see Packer fans all over Twitter and all over social media that really don't know what to do. It, it's just odd. Uh, looking at potential people that I'm hoping we see some big news of with the Packers this next week. Um, DJ Moore with the Panthers. He actually scored another touchdown today. We already know the Panthers are trying to sell off their team and build for the future. I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit more. Um, Chase Claypool might be an option to be able to get another wide receiver to help us out moving into the rest of the season. He's currently on the Steelers, and you start to wonder if the Steelers might be looking towards the future too. I mean, they took in Kennedy. They started – Kenny Pickett for a reason. It's definitely rebuild mode right now. The other one we have more time for. OBJ's old. He could potentially be a good 
target for Green Bay. I think he's even talked about Green Bay before once or twice. He definitely is ring chasing right now. But after seeing this week, why would he be interested in the Green Bay Packers? I mean, I wouldn't be too interested. if I, Packers don't look like a Super Bowl champion right now. They just don't. But I will say OBJ seems like the type of person that would be very interested in probably getting some hype back to his name. Wherever he goes to a championship contender, he's probably going to be either sitting the bench a little bit, getting throws here and there, but on Green Bay, he's actually going to get a shot to be able to play quite a bit. So I'd like to maybe see that go our way with Green Bay, but it's all hypothetical. Green Bay is not known for making big moves around this time, but I think this is a year that they just have to nut it up and most likely find a way to get somebody to work with Rodgers and get this offense moving in the right direction because it's just a little unacceptable right now. Taylor Heineke, he started off very slow, like almost any backup quarterback would. He ended up making a couple big plays, and I will say Washington Commanders in a, on a select few drives look like a decent team. They are not that good of a team, but every NFL team is going to be pretty competitive, and you'd expect them to be able to put pull through a couple drives. Now, let's think a little bit positive about this game, though, too. Um, defense looked pretty well. The defense was able to, you know, for at least the first quarter and a half, they, weren't, they were shut down. There was a muffed punt, and they kicked a field goal, and they got those three points right there. Uh, for the first quarter and a half, they couldn't move the ball. And even throughout the rest of the game, you just have to expect an NFL team's going to score a couple touchdown drives here and there. And our defense is one of the better ones in the league right now. And we did kind of look like it today if you take out one or two drives where they had some long, about seven-minute drives right down our throat. But when the offense isn't controlling the time of possession, the defense is bound to give up a couple big plays here and there. So Devondre Campbell had a great pick six. We have to remember, out of the 21 points, the defense did score one of them. So that makes it even more urgent for the Packers to be able to get a more offensive threat. Um, outside of that, there was a couple other big plays. Um, Douglas was all over the field on defense. He almost had a touchdown of his own. It was called back due to a, due to a flag, and I, I don't know how I stand on that. It was, uh, it, it was a very, it was a very uh, handsy game from both sides. So. They called them, and there was a lot of flags. Actually, this was the last game to conclude today because there were so many flags, and it felt like the reviews took about half an hour each. So, Yeah, he was active. Uh, Rasul Douglas, active, handsy. He made some big plays, and he was able to keep the team in it for as long as he could. At some point, you got to expect to score some touchdowns, though. Yeah, in the first half, the defense did pretty well. Um, after that... They kind of slipped up a little bit, but then again, you know, you're going to get tired if you're on the field the whole entire game, and uh, offense can't get a long drive together. So at some point, you got to get big stops, and there's just a couple times, including the last uh, defensive possession, where they didn't get a stop when they needed to. And, you know, on offense, we couldn't move the ball when we did. The best drive we had was, well, I guess we did have that one drive to get up 14-3. That was really nice, but... Uh, we didn't have great 
long drives, even the one where Aaron Jones scored that touchdown to get it within two points. There's a lot of flags that could have potentially gone the other way. And yes, we got lucky. That happens almost every game, but it's uh, it's just very hard to imagine how we move forward on offense right now with just this team in play. I really expect to be able to if we we have to either be a sell or a buy team in the next week, so we're gonna see a lot with the Packers within the next couple days. Um, so this is probably what we needed. We need we needed to either kill this team or we needed to actually lose to them, and that was gonna be you know decision time for the front office. And now we figure out where we're at as a franchise. That's the Packer post game. Uh, that's the best that I can do for you. I think that there's a lot that we're going to be um, figuring out in the next seven days with the trade deadline coming due. It's, uh, it's just a, a really hard time to be a Packer fan, and it's been frustrating, especially since I'm also a Hawkeye fan. It was actually a horrible weekend to watch football because there was absolutely no offense in two games that I really cared about. So. That's Packers. That's the Packers post game. Let's move on to some of the other games in the NFL. 49ers. They have used the market to their ex- they used it effectively in my opinion. They added Christian McCaffrey, which adds value to their team and I'm actually watching him right now. He looks pretty good. And they were giving up most likely the future. Here's what's going on in the 49ers franchise right now. At the beginning of the year, they were thinking, all right, we're going to start Trey Lance. We, uh, we're looking more towards the future. We do not think Jimmy G is that guy. But they held on to him almost as insurance, which good thing they did because Trey Lance didn't make it more than, a, more than one game in this NFL season. So Jimmy G's been the guy, and he's looked pretty decent. Right now they're 3-3. Three and three. They're playing competitive ball, and with the – Panthers tanking. They took advantage of an awesome situation and gave the Panthers what they wanted, which was more draft picks coming up in this next year for somebody who's ready to compete right now in this moment, in this season. This makes me wonder what's going to go on in the 49ers franchise moving forward with the QB battle. In my mind, I've liked Jimmy G. In fact, I talked about him quite a bit last week. I think he's a great quarterback, and I think that uh, people that don't like him are just people that don't think his brand of ball is sexy. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not, you know, Josh Allen with the arm. He's just a good quarterback. He's a very, very solid quarterback. He's a safe pick, especially in an offense like this. And in an offense with Kyle Shanahan, everybody's moving around the line so fast that it's a running kind of team anyways. It's quick passes, they got all the movement, and then they're wondering who's going to get the ball, who's going to end up running it. And with all the skill players they now have with adding Christian McCaffrey, they're a win right now team. I don't know of a better team with uh, the main skill players, which would be the wide receivers, the running backs, and the quarterbacks. Uh, Even their defense is stout. This is a team that's set to contend in the Super Bowl now. And it was pretty cool. I, uh, I think the 49ers did what the Packers need to do really soon. I mean, if the Packers choose they want to win right now, which they probably should with Aaron Rodgers, you need to pay up a little bit. 
in my mind, I'm thinking that the 49ers definitely didn't see much value with all those, what was it, first, second, and third round pick of this next year's draft. Panthers, that's all they want. They want to think about four or five years down the road. But 49ers are set on defense right now, and they have some great skill players that they don't know if they're going to have if they start losing again in the next couple, you know, in, within two years. Ayuk, Debo Samuel, they, they might be gone. Um, Jimmy G was almost out the door before the season because, well, 49ers didn't tell them they wanted him. So does he even feel wanted in that franchise? In my mind, this was the kind of trade and the kind of organizational move that they probably needed to make. Jimmy G needs to feel like he's a piece of this franchise now. And I think that by picking a right-now kind of player like Christian McCaffrey, Jimmy G might feel a little bit more solidified within this organization. Jimmy G's already a pretty solid player, lots of experience, you know, pretty solid quarterback. He knows the system, and he's probably ready to win right now, as we've seen this year, last year, in his championship contender years. He's been solid. And with adding Christian McCaffrey, I don't think you play roulette with Trey Lance. You pick with who you know. You play a little bit on the safer and conservative side. It's time to win now. Keep Jimmy G. Awesome development over this past week. Arguably the biggest thing that happened in NFL football over the past seven days. Now, probably the second biggest development that happened was the Cardinals. They ended up playing the Saints in a pretty good shootout where they ended up coming up ahead. But... Early on, when the Cardinals were struggling slightly, very early on to this game, before they started putting it all together with DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler and Kingsbury had a little bit of a verbal, let's say, disagreement. Kyler, after a, a frustrating call, and they had to end up calling timeout, Kingsbury ended up being a little bit heated on the side, and Kyler screamed, calm the fuck down. It was pretty big news because Kyler Murray is a relatively quiet person. He doesn't do that much, and he doesn't show that much emotion. He's a, I think he's a solid quarterback, and I think Kingsbury's an okay coach in the NFL. He might not be up to standard for what the Cardinals have with talent right now, but he's an okay coach. People started talking about how maybe either Kingsbury or Kyler is now on the hot seat because of this big exchange. But I think that uh, Twitter people need to calm down just a little bit because it's kind of nice to see Kyler show some emotion for once. Sports happen real time. There's no, you know, emotions occur. It's a very emotional game, especially when things are close. Aaron Rodgers does it just about every single week. He shows frustration. He understands this is a very subpar offense compared to what he's had. Kyler in the moment, even though he's a very nonchalant person, he showed a little emotion. And that's just what everybody does. Now I get it. He is the face of the Cardinals right now. And uh, talking bad to your coach in a very underachieving team this year, like the Cardinals at the time, they were under 500. They were 2-4. and four. But we can't overreact just because sports happen in real time. People get upset. Not everybody agrees on every single play. Kyler 
needed this. He needed to show everybody in the franchise and everybody in the organization, all the fans, that he's not just a sitting duck. He's livid. He's living. He is ready to win. He needs to show everybody he truly is a competitor. So, you know, there's been a couple interactions just in the past month all over sports. It happens very often in football, but we saw Draymond Green get a little upset with Jordan Poole. What people didn't put into perspective was Jordan Poole is one of the most trash-talky players there is in the NBA. He probably said something, and yes, Draymond Green's a champion. He probably didn't want to take it, so he gave him a little bit of a smack. In this case, this wasn't even a punch. It was just somebody saying, calm the fuck down. It's football. Right now, you need a, you know, in a big play moment, everybody needs to stay relaxed and coordinated. And Kyler Murray, you know, yes, maybe he could have probably walked it off or, you know, took a couple deep breaths, but you got to make you got to make decisions on the move. It's real time. It's energy. I love it. you got to show emotions in sports. Outside of that, we had the Dallas Cowboys with Dak's first game back. It's big news. Over the past, <laughs> over pretty much this whole entire season, Dak has been on the, uh, I don't want to say hot seat, but, I mean, everybody loves to spread the controversy that shouldn't Cooper Rush be starting. I think in the past couple weeks, it's became obvious that they have an outstanding defense and that Cooper Rush was a great backup quarterback, but he's not set to become like the starter QB1 that people are talking about. It's good to have Dak back. Um, they started out very slow. The Lions played fairly competitive. They only scored six points today, but uh, Cowboys ended up winning 24-6 to in this one. Slow start, but you can't expect a ton from a quarterback that's, first of all, coming off an injury, and it's also his first game back. This is a team that I get a little worried about with the Packers because they are a pretty solid defense. They're going to, with Dak back, you know, their offense is going to be pretty stout. They're as beatable as anybody, and I'll tell you every single time that the NFC is pretty weak this year. They're not as good as the AFC, especially with the top couple. I would assume that, I mean, I'd love to say the Packers won it all this year, but right now we're fighting for a wild card spot against Seattle. It's just hard to be in this position right now, and I, uh, I'm definitely not used to it. Overall, I'm not going to talk a ton about NFL. Those are the main points that I wanted to make for the NFL so far. In fact, the best game of the weekend... That was the 49ers who are playing right now. I did get talking about them. The, they're playing the Chiefs. I discussed Christian McCaffrey. Uh, they're win right now. And right now, looking at them, they look nice. Uh, I'm interested to see how the season goes on with Shanahan and how he utilizes Christian McCaffrey. He is injury prone, and we all understand that. But the thing is, you can put a lot of people running that ball in that offense. Christian McCaffrey is going to have to learn pretty quick, too. Everybody's got to be able to block. So I'm not going to judge it and make too many more opinions. I wanted to talk about Christian McCaffrey, how he added a ton of value, and all of a sudden this 3-3 and 49ers team is contenders, and they're competing against the Chiefs right now. It's been a fun game so far. That is uh, what I'll say about the NFL today. It's not. This is going to be a relatively shorter 
episode compared to the others, but just a heads up, we're going to do a holiday special later this week. So I'm going to Iowa State this next weekend. I'm going to do a little bit of a preview um, for the tailgate the next day. They play Oklahoma. Should be a fun game. Iowa State's been a pretty competitive team. They've been fighting people pretty hard, but this would be another challenge. Oklahoma, they are not having the best year, but they are a competitive team. They're in the Big 12, and it's a big race in that conference. It's been fun to watch. Let's move on to the next segment. We got Dog of the Week. This one's a fun one. So though not everybody might know it, it's not the NBA young boy that was uh, worldwide with our last Dog of the Week. This one's a little bit more local and close to my heart. His name is Ben Sizelove. He's a resident around the Chicago suburbs, and he's a friend of mine from back in college. Back in college, I met him over in Norway, and when he wasn't doing that, he was kicking goals on the Luther soccer team. So Ben Sizelove has been out of the dating scene for a little while, but I got a little bit of insight from him over the past week, and holy moly, guess who went on a date over the past weekend and has another one lined up in the near future? So congratulations to Ben Sizelove, official dog of the week, barkin'. I, uh, I heard only good things went out of that date, so uh, congratulations to Ben. We'll, uh, we'll send you your prize here in the mail in the next couple days. Expect it within the next five business days. Awesome follow-up on Dog of the Week. Uh, it was nice to get somebody worldwide on the first one, but uh, somebody close to my heart was able to win it over the past week. Remember to submit your submissions for Dog of the Week um, in the coming weeks. So you can uh, DM us on our Twitter page and send it in, and we'll be able to review it. It will go in front of the board, and we'll make our judgment of whether it's worthy or not. So congratulations, Ben. Next, we have the Pop Culture Minute. Remember that we're not only sports on this podcast, but we talk just a little bit of entertainment as well. To start off on the Pop Culture Minute, we're going to talk a little bit about James Corden. Could he be a certified asshole? I don't know. According to a recent tweet and a recent news about this talk show host, he was eating at a restaurant and caused a big scene at this pretty nice restaurant where the wait staff just doing their job. He was complaining that there were yolks in his white omelet, and overall he was just making it very, very hard on the wait staff. You gotta think when you go out with somebody and your friend or your colleague or even your date especially, it always makes you me cringe. I think for most people it makes people cringe when somebody they're going out with is causing a scene with the wait staff. They're just doing their job, they kind of live off tips a little bit, and the last thing they want is somebody to go start ripping them another one when all they can do is just go back to the chefs and say, Sometimes it's just standard cooks that are at the grill. Tell them, oh, hey, sorry, you did this wrong. Can you cook it a little bit more? They're always the ones that get the hard part of it. And I work in customer service too, so I know how it is. Kind of annoying when people put it all on you. You got to remember, don't do not do that. I mean, it's a, it's a big test of character, and it's just, it's kind of concerning. James Corden, of all people, he's well off with himself just to go ring it over on just a standard wait staff. He made the pop culture minute to start with. 
Next, we have Taylor Swift. She released the Midnight album. So uh, I have not listened to that new album yet, but I was a little worried when it was coming out. I'm kind of a Jake Gyllenhaal guy. I, uh, I kind of have been for the past three years or so. I love his movies. He's pretty good. And Taylor Swift is notorious for just attacking him. So I, uh, I did a little bit of research, even though I haven't listened to the album yet, just in case she was attacking my guy. And she did not technically attack him this time. In fact, it seems like most of the blow was towards John Mayer. So uh, nice development. I, uh, I do approve. I'm a Jake Gyllenhaal guy, and as long as she's not taking off his head, I will, you know, I'll bear her music. I do admit she does make some good songs. She's kind of the artist that has such a good beat that I think even the biggest haters of Taylor Swift will arguably at least understand that that might be a pretty damn good bop. I'm not, I'm, I'll admit, I like some Taylor Swift songs, but uh, it always makes me feel uncomfortable when you're attacking my celebrity guy. So, Taylor Swift! Big news for her. She uh, kind of took into my Amazon Prime Thursday night football time, but uh, I will live with it because I didn't miss too much. And it, I mean, I was just a little disappointed because it was actually the first good Thursday night football game I've watched all year. And uh, let, you know, let's leave some for the real guys. I'm a football guy. I can I, I get Amazon's trying to sell their music too, but you know, maybe put it in a commercial. Don't put it so much like right when everybody's watching, right after halftime. So. The last one is Little Sass. For those of you that don't know, I went to my first comedy show over the past weekend. I, uh, I saw a guy named Lil Sasquatch. He has a podcast on Barstool. I actually listen to him uh, every once in a while. He's probably the podcast I listen to most, and he's, he's hilarious. He did an awesome job. They call him King of New York. Uh, overall, I was super excited to see him. I've been kind of following him since probably right around 2019, maybe even 2018. I remember I was uh, I was really young into undergrad, and I saw some of his viral tweets, and then within the next year and a half or two years, all of a sudden he becomes something on Barstool, which I thought was a joke at first, but then I realized he was actually working for him and making some podcasts. So Lil Sass is awesome. If, you know, if for some reason he comes to your area, or at least close by, Give him a look. If for some reason in your area, a great comedy show. It was awesome. All right. So for the final segment of this uh, shorter episode today, I will reveal the people's top 10. Brand spanking new, baby. Yesterday was a pretty good weekend for college football. Uh, it wasn't the best, but there was some good games. I think that there was a lot of emotions a week ago, but overall we saw some Big movements in the people's top 10 between this week and last week. If you remember right, Kansas was still atop there with a 6-0-1 spread record. Well, guess who did not cover the spread this past week? <laughs> oh, Baylor. Baylor took them off with the pre, uh, pre-game spread. So, Anyways, people's top 10, sponsored and presented by TDF3 Corp. Here we go. At number one, we have Tulane, currently 7-1 and one at the spread. Last week, or technically yesterday, they, uh, they played against Memphis and won 38-28. Um, forget, I mean, with November coming in, forget the red wave for Republicans and the blue wave for Democrats. 
I'm starting to think we need to talk more about the green wave, baby. Tulane. They made it last week. They've made a little bit of noise, and they all of a sudden are now at number one in the people's top ten. A smaller school, but they're killing the competition. They're beating the great equalizer each week. The spread for that game was right around seven, and they have a bye this next week. So given that there's no big movements and no big wins, they might stay number one for just a little while, but only time will tell going into next weekend's college football. So Tulane, number one. Awesome. At number two, we got Syracuse, 6-1 and one at the spread. They lost a heartbreaker that was very – it was a lot closer than Vegas was expecting. Um, they played Clemson and lost 21-27. to 27. They were 14-point underdogs in that game. So they played not only where they almost won straight up, but they, they covered the spread pretty easily in that game. Syracuse, they might be a certified football school. So we got the green wave at number one, and they got the orange out of New York for number two. They go in and play Notre Dame next week, so only time will tell if that's a, that's a pretty good game as well. So uh, right now it's a pretty close spread, but there's about five, ga- five days until the actual kickoff. So at one point, it's, uh, at, at this point in time, it's Notre Dame to win by one. I'm guessing Notre Dame might, their spread might move a little bit more. So keep your eye on them. The orange, baby. At number three, we have Tennessee. Rocky top, baby. They're 6-1 and one at the spread, and they had a killing against a very inferior UT Martin team. So they just kicked the crap out of them, 65-24. They were 38.5-point favorites, but they made that 38.5 look a lot easier than it should have been. They go and play Kentucky next week. That should be another good one. At number four, we got Wake Forest. Demon time, baby. The Demon Deacons are currently 6-1 at the spread. They played uh, Boston College last week, and they won 43-15. If you guys remember right, Sam Hartman is their current QB. And what I didn't realize is he was on QB1. He was like season two. So he's been around for a little while. He's been kind of a celebrity. I thought I recognized his name from somewhere because I did see that season. But uh, Wake Forest, number four in the people's top ten this week. And they're right behind Sam Hartman. QB1. Certified QB1, baby. Number five, we have a brand new team to the people's top ten this week. Georgia Tech. Yes, they did lose this past week against Virginia, 9-16, but they're 6-0-1 at the under. So if you guys are looking for a game that you think should go under and you absolutely do not want to watch it but you think it's a good bet, Georgia Tech and the under might be the best play. Next week they play Florida State, who's a little bit more, uh, they have a little bit more offensive power, but... Currently undefeated at the under. They're making some noise. They've been silent up until now, but, you know, they might be a pretty good team at the under. (laughs) Number six, last week's number one team in the people's top ten. They're now down to number six. We have Kansas Jayhawks. Maybe a football school. They are six, one and one at the spread. They lost their first game at the spread versus Baylor this past week. They're 10.5 point underdogs, and they lost 23-35. 
Next week's going to be interesting. The spread is currently not out yet, but they play Oklahoma State. Should be a pretty good game. Um, right now, Kansas is also running on fumes because they've had their backup quarterback playing the past three games now, I believe. He's kept a minute, but they are definitely missing Jalen right now. I mean, there's nothing like that guy. He was so athletic and fun to watch, and it's just crazy that their backup quarterback, Bean, is playing so well. Anyways, Kansas, number six. Number seven, we have Texas Christian. They uh, they played the past week. Um, they versed uh, a very good game in primetime versus Kansas State University. They were three-and-a-half-point favorites, and they won. They won pretty convincingly, too. They uh, covered the spread, and they are now 5-1-1 one, one at the spread. They are also undefeated. And uh, they have not won. They have not lost a game this year. So they're the one Big Twelve team that is in contention to probably, possibly make the playoffs if they went out. I think that if they went out, they will definitely be in the playoffs. But they're not. They're kind of a team that you're still wondering if they're very good. I've seen them play like a couple times this year. In fact, I was watching the Kansas State Texas Christian game. They do not have a good defense. They have been winning games very convincingly regardless. And they're kind of fun to watch, but you just kind of wonder, you put them up against Georgia or Alabama, are they really that good? Would they even really score that much? We know they give up a shit ton of points, but they might not even be able to score that much. They're not a sexy team, um, and I don't like them against the best of the best, but they are playing really well. In fact, they're number seven in the people's top ten this week. Number eight, we have Memphis, who actually faced Tulane, who's currently number one on this week's People's Top Ten. But Memphis is number eight for a different reason. They are seven and one at the over, and they play some fun games. Uh, this past week, they for, they faced number one Tulane, and uh, they lost twenty-eight to thirty-eight. Uh, the spur, the over/under on that one was fifty-five and a half, and you guys can do the math. They did hit, so that was awesome. Fun game, if you did watch it. Uh, Tulane got out to a very early lead. It was actually going to look, it was kind of looking like it was going to be a roadkill game. Memphis, you know, uh, after you get down by about four touchdowns, everybody's bound to score, right? So I think they're a sneaky team. They're 7-1 and one at the over. They have had a lot of high-scoring games, but... You start to wonder if that game really would have went over if it wasn't for Tulane getting up so high right away. So, At number nine, close to my heart, we have Western Illinois. Leatherneck Nation, baby, stand up. Three straight covers. They almost won this past week versus uh, Youngstown, Youngstown State University. They're 11-point underdogs, and they lost 27-28. Uh, I was following it on Twitter. I wasn't able to watch the actual game, but they were able to cover the spread. And for, a, you know, uh, with more than uh, two minutes left in the game, it looked like they should have probably won that one straight up. Regardless of winning or losing, they are this week's number 19 in the People's Top 10. To finish off this week's uh, People's Top 10, we have at number 10, UCLA. Currently 6-1 and one at the over. They played Oregon this past week in a very hyped-up game. College Game Day actually joined them there. And they lost 30-45. to 45. Now, 
you might have thought that this would have crushed the over because they scored 75 points, but the over was actually set at 70 and a half. That's a lot of freaking points. Regardless, they co- they covered the over once again, and uh, they are now 6-1 and one at the over. They go ahead and play Stanford this next week. So that, that concludes the people's top 10. There was a lot of research done, and the board uh, did review everybody's performance accordingly, and uh, there's our results for this coming week. So congratulations to those teams, and wish you the best on next week. That will conclude this week's shorter episode. It was only about 40 minutes today. Uh, We expect to have another episode here out before the weekend. We have a holiday special set for you. I've already started to get a couple ideas for you. Halloween's coming up over this next weekend, so hopefully everybody has some fun plans and they've started to look at their costumes. Well, not only have I started to look at costumes for next weekend to celebrate in Ames, Iowa, um, go Cyclones, by the way, but I've already also started to think of a great Halloween special to give to the fans. So make sure you tune in. Uh, Take a look at our uh, podcast Friday or Saturday, and I will have something great for you guys. Anyways, congratulations, Ben Sizelove, um, Dog of the Week. And congratulations to everybody who made the People's Top 10 this past week. Um, I, uh, I hope to have some better news about the Packers coming in to uh, the next podcast and hopefully next week's podcast as well. But for right now, there is not that much to say on the NFL's front for my Packers. Anyways, have a good week, guys. Make sure to like and follow the Twitter page at Untitled underscore the pod. And take care.